Hey, uh, we're continuing our series that we launched last week, which I thought was just a great day, by the way, here at TFRC last week was, um, but we launched a series we're calling Citizenship, a uh, Citizenship. Now, at first glance, uh, the word citizenship might be a little bit of a boring word. It sounds kind of like a boring word to me. It feels a little bit boring, uh, but the word citizenship, regardless of how boring the word sounds, might be uh, one of the most relevant uh, or descriptive words that we can use to identify the moment that we find ourselves in our society today. Uh, citizenship, citizenship. Um, underneath the word citizenship uh, would be another word, um, and that word would be belonging, right? Belonging. Um, when a person asks another person about their citizenship, what we're asking is, well, uh, who do you belong to? What country do you belong to? What people do you belong to? Uh, who is your tribe? Um, a few years ago, uh, I went on a trip to the Middle East, uh, to Egypt, Jordan, and Israel to do a, a Bible trip, and Pastor Chuck came, um, and then Brett Reisman, our youth pastor, came, and several others came as well. And uh, at one point, we were in Egypt, and we were going through customs to get into Israel. And one of the things that Brett and I did that entire trip was give Chuck a hard time. And so at this moment, we thought this would be a great moment to give Chuck a hard time. And so we said pretty loudly, hey, Chuck, which passport are you going to use this time? <laughs> I don't know why it made him nervous. I, I don't know. Uh, it made him nervous, right? Because... <laughs> We were challenging his citizenship. Who's your tribe, Chuck, right? Now, let me tell you, uh, to be clear, uh, Chuck has an American passport. What we don't know is what other ones he actually has. He could have more. We don't know. Ask him about that. Um, but at its very core, citizenship is about belonging, and belonging is inherently about identity, right? Identity. It's, it's those three words, citizenship, belonging and identity that, that I would argue get at the core of the major dysfunction and conflict that we're seeing in this very moment in our country, right? Now, uh, this morning, we're going to zero in on one of those words. It's the bottom word on the screen, the word identity. Um, one of the things that has become such a large part of the conflict in our society is identity, right? In particular, just to name the ones, right, race has become incredibly important. Uh, gender has become incredibly important as an identity. Sexuality has become incredibly important as uh, an identity. Now, uh, in fact, there has been a phrase that has emerged in the last few years um, called identity politics to sort of uh, encapsulate all that identity stuff into one short phrase, right? You've probably heard the phrase identity politics. We're going to get after that this morning. Aren't you excited? Yeah, right. I know the truth. I know the truth. Now, before we get started, I, I, I want to just make a couple disclaimers this morning. Um, race, gender, sexuality, those are topics that are at an all-time temperature high in our country. I would argue that in this room right now, um, there are several of us, many of us, perhaps most of us, that are passionate about those topics. And I don't mean passionate in a positive way. It could be in a negative way. It, could, it depends on what side of the aisle you are on. You may be passionate about those topics. Um, and the first job of every follower of Jesus, especially when we find ourselves around a hot topic like gender and sexuality and race, is to be vigilant, hyper-vigilant about where we are getting our source of truth 
from. We have to be. Um, often, and I think this is true, especially in the church, is the rhetoric and the arguments we use around these topics are not based on our faith. They're based on things that are coming from out there. And it's true. And it is imperative for us, church, as followers of Jesus, that we use the scriptures and we use the scriptures alone to understand those topics, right? Gender, sexuality, race. It should be from here that we're getting that information, not from out there. Amen? So that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to go after those three things um, and using the scripture first to really understand it. And some of us in the room, we're going to find ourselves maybe getting a little uncomfortable, but maybe that's just what the scriptures say, um, depending on, you know, it could be from whatever um, aisle you come from. And so be prepared for that. So are you ready? Yeah. No, you're not. Okay. Um, our scripture reading this morning is found in the letter to the Galatians uh, in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 26. Um, I say this every single week, but when we come uh, to the scripture reading, if we could have a Bible and we could have it open, and we could be looking at the words ourselves and interacting with a book, it's a huge deal that we can do that. Perhaps this morning you're like, yeah, but I didn't bring my Bible. I bet you have a smartphone and you have Google on that smartphone. And I'd encourage you, just Google Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, and follow along with us in the Word. Especially in a day like today when we're going to be talking about a hot topic, to be in the Word ourselves, I think, matters. And so I encourage you to go ahead and do that. Um, so our scripture reading is Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 26. Our scripture reader this morning is Danica Thompson. Danica, you can head on up when you're ready. And what we do here, church, is we stand for the reading of God's word and we face the center of the room as well. And we do so to give primacy to this book, especially on this day with this topic. And so, Danica, when you're ready, take it away. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For, you are all, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Awesome. Thanks, Danica. You all may take a seat. <clears throat> Most of us have heard of the term uh, identity crisis. Um, often in our lives, when there's someone in our life that begins to behave a little bit differently or abnormally or irrationally, or we might say a little crazily, right? Uh, we'll use the phrase identity crisis. That person is having an identity crisis right now. Like when dad retires and then suddenly he pulls into the driveway with a brand new Corvette. Everyone in the family says dad's having an identity crisis. I'm sure I offended at least one person in this room by saying that. I'm just saying. But from a psychological point of view, uh, an identity crisis, it's a real thing that people experience. Um, just for a, a brief definition, um, an identity crisis comes from a failure or a breakdown of one's identity. It's when the way that we have understood our lives or ourselves either becomes a mystery to us, it begins to elude us, 
or the way that we perceive ourselves, we become dissatisfied with it, and then we fall into an identity crisis. Um, if you've ever had teenagers, you know exactly what I'm talking about because every single teenager is in the midst of an identity crisis. They're in the midst of constantly, whether they know it or not, asking the big question of, well, who am I, right? Who am I in this world? Uh, my kids are about there right now. And the phrases they flippantly use about themselves, I find it really interesting. And I bet your kids uh, did the same. Uh, I'm not a sports person, my kids will say. I'm not a sports person. Or I'm a basketball guy. That's who I am. I I'm a basketball guy. Um, I'm not a work with my hands kind of person, which is usually they say that when I ask them to do something. I'm not a work with my hands kind of person. Um, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a, I'm a gamer. I'm a whatever, right? Uh, we use these phrases, and every single time our kids make statements like that, they're trying to determine, they're trying to chisel away at what in the world is my identity, like who exactly am I in this world? They're in the midst of an identity crisis. Now, I would argue that our society today is in the midst of a massive identity crisis on a national level in our country. On a large cultural scale, we are asking ourselves uh, as a nation the big question of, well, as a country, as a people, um, who are we in this world? Uh, who are we as a country? Like, how should we understand ourselves? And I would also argue at the same time that this big identity crisis is happening, many, many, many people in ways that I haven't seen in my whole life in their own individual lives are asking those same kind of questions about themselves even way late into life. Who am I in this world? Like, who am I really? Trying to, we're trying on identities all the time in search for the Almighty. Well, who am I in this world? And it seems in this cultural moment that the primary place we find our personal identity crisis is found in the topics of, of race, and gender and sexual orientation. Wouldn't that be the truth right now, folks? It is staggering how many people in our society are trying to figure out who they are based on the color of their skin, based on their gender, if they have any that they identify with, it, who they're sexually attracted to. It is amazing what's happening in our culture. Now, to be clear, there is nothing wrong with having an identity. There's nothing wrong with having an identity. Um, in the scriptures, literally the first scripture about people, about humanity, in the first page of the scriptures is filled with identity language. If you have your Bibles, just turn to Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 27 here, just a second. And listen to how Genesis 1 talks. It's the first lines about humanity, right? And, and just listen to this. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. What does it say next? Male and female, he created them. Right in the first words of the Bible about humans, we get personal identity right there. Male and female. The identity of gender is right there, word for word in the scriptures. And so it's safe to say that God created us to have various identities, right? Various facets to our identity. 
Um, Every single one of us on the face of the planet was created by God to have an identity around gender, to have an identity around sexuality, to have an identity around race. It is inescapable for us. It's the way that we were created. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with having an identity, but there is something wrong with how we use our identities, right? If you have your Bible, um, open back up to our scripture reading this morning a second. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 26. Now, in Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul names a slew of identities, a slew of them. Take a look at verse 28 there a second. That's a famous verse. You've probably heard this before. Paul says in verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. He names these pairs of identities, three pairs if you're paying attention. He names Jews and Gentiles, both identities of nationality and race, you could say. The second pairing is slaves and free persons. And then he brings up gender, male and female. Now, in Paul's day, those identities, race, slaver-free, and gender, were massive important categories in society for him. If you happen to find yourself with a Jewish identity in Paul's time that had everything to do with how you saw yourself in the world and how the world saw you, um, from the Jewish community as they looked at you, if you were a Jewish person, your identity meant that you as a Jew were a good guy in the world. You were a righteous guy in the world. You were special in the world. You were chosen in the world. Then Gentiles, they would take a look at Jewish folks, and they would see things a little bit differently based purely on their identity, right? You're a rabble rouser, Gentiles would say. You are backward. You are strange. You're different. There's problems with your people. And if you had a Gentile identity uh, back in that day, that would mean something too. To Jews, if you were a Gentile, you were the backward one. You were the unrighteous one. You were the unclean one. Jews literally thought that Gentiles were spiritually dirty people walking around on the planet Earth. That was the way a Jew would see a Gentile with their eyes. Then there was the identity of slave and free person. It was a massive identity in Paul's day. Um, Roman society was literally split based upon that identity. If you were a free person, you had value in society. You had rights in society. You had freedom in society. If you were a slave, you had none of those things. You were worthless in society. The only worth that you could have is the stuff that you could do with your hands for your master. That was your worth in society. Based on the identity of what? Free or slave. Then there was the identity of gender. And gender meant a lot as well. Um, If your identity was male, it meant that you had freedoms in society that females did not. You could play a role in society that women could not. If your idea was, if your identity was a female in Paul's day, it put you at a great disadvantage in society. There were limits just based on your gender that you could not do such things in society, all because you're a female. In Paul's time, personal identity was a value statement about a person. A value statement about a person. It was a statement of one's worth and value in society. 
If you happened to be a Gentile male that was free, you were easily one of the most valuable people in society. If you happened to be the opposite of that, I don't know, a Jewish female slave, you were easily one of the least valuable people in society purely based on your identity. And see, that's the thing with identity. There's nothing wrong with having an identity, but there might be something wrong with how we use that identity. See, the way that I'm kind of processing this is there are two ways that we use our personal identity in our lives. Um, the first way would be what I would call identity as a description. Identity as description. Uh, let me give you an example from my own life. I will be the example here. Um, in case you didn't know it, I am a male. S don't act surprised. That bothers me. Um, I am attracted to women. I am. Um, I am white, leaning toward translucent. <laughs> Seriously, I don't get a tan, I get a red. I don't know if anyone else gets that. It's terrible. Um, all of those things are true about me. I descriptively am a straight, uh, white male, maybe white-leaning, translucent male, right? That's who I descriptively am as a person. This is one way to use identity. You can use identity as a description, as descriptive. Um, but there's another way that we use identity, and I would call it identity as worth. Identity as worth. Identity as a value marker. Um, here's what that would look like, right? I I'm the example here again. Um, I have value and worth in this world because of my masculinity. I have value. My manliness, does that help you? My manliness, like that's why I have value in this world. The more manly that I can be in this world, the more value I will have in this world, right? That's identity is worth. I have value and worth in this world because I'm a straight guy. I'm straight, so I have value in that. I have worth in that. I have value and worth in this world because of my white leaning towards translucent skin, right? I have value in this world because of that. Now, the uncomfortable truth for most all of us, and I think we have to be honest about this, is that at some level, every single one of us is guilty of placing our worth in our particular identities. Placing our worth in our particular identities. In fact, we don't just do that to ourselves. We do that to the people around us as well. We look at other people's identities and we place our level of worth for them based upon those identities at some level. It's an uncomfortable truth that I think is just plain true for us. And you see, when we place our value and our worth in our race, in our gender, in our sexual orientation, that always traps us in life. Uh, I think it traps us in two different ways in life. Um, there's this inward trap when we take um, our identity and we place a lot of worth, our, our own worth based on that identity. There's this inward trap, and that inward trap looks like this. If my identity, if my gender, if my sexual orientation, if my race is where my worth is found, then I will find it incredibly painful in my life when others do not validate my particular identity. You see that, right? Like if someone tells me, hey, Pastor John, um, you're kind of a wimp or a sissy, 
which is so not true, people, as you know. You're a wimp or a sissy. I, I might respond and say, you know, I feel emasculated by that. I feel emasculated by that. But the only way that I can feel emasculated by that is if I place my worth in my identity of being a man. You see that, right? If I don't do that, then it doesn't really bother me all that much. You see that? If my worth and value is wrapped up in my particular identities, I will be incredibly protective of those identities as well. I will fight people to maintain that identity for myself. Everything will feel personal. When someone comes to me and they challenge me based on my identity, that will feel very personal. That will cut deep in my life if my identity is where my worth is found. I would argue this is perhaps the major issue in the society that we find ourselves today. Like this is it right here. Like, just to be a little bold here this morning, but, but I would argue that the inward trap is the trap that LGBT folks, many of them, and many feminist folks have fallen into in our society. Any disagreement is seen as a personal attack. Any disagreement is. Or any disagreement about being LGBT or women's liberation or whatever it may be is seen as an attack on that person's worth no matter what. It just is the truth. The inward trap, it is painful, isn't it? Well, then there's the outward trap. You know, maybe initially you're like, yeah, like the inward trap. I can see that in society. Those people out there, I can't believe they would do that. Right? Maybe, maybe we see that. But then there's this outward trap as well. If we believe that a person's identities on uh, skin color, gender, sexual orientation is where their worth is found, where they hold worth because of those things, we will inherently treat people differently based upon those things. We will. I would argue that if the church today is guilty of anything around this topic, it is the outward identity trap. That's what we get stuck in. Do you know how many people will say just flippantly to me, sometimes a little bit angry, sometimes just flippantly, they will say things sort of like, um, gay people don't belong at TFRC, they can go somewhere else. Do you know how regular I hear that as a pastor? That statement, for the record, is a value statement about gay people based upon their identity. And folks, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's not okay. If, if a transgender person walked into the octagon this morning and you were to see them and you know if you saw someone like that, you would be grossed out by them or you would try to avoid them at all costs because they're transgender, then you have fallen into the outward trap yourself. You're basing uh, someone's worth upon their identity. And it's wrong. It's wrong. In church, that is a reality that we as followers of Jesus need to repent for because it's wrong. Now, I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you need to agree with a person's gender identity or sexual orientation. However, we should, treat, we should never treat someone lesser because of their gender identity or sexual orientation. Do you see the difference there? 
It's a key one. And do you know why we should not treat someone as lesser based upon their race or gender or sexual orientation? Paul beautifully lays it out in our scripture reading. I just want to read our scripture reading again for us this morning. Uh, Galatians 3, starting in verse 26. Open your Bibles and follow along with me and pay attention. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul says. He says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise, Paul says. What Paul's saying here is that personal identity can never be the source of worth for you or the people out there. It cannot be. Don't you know where our worth really lies, Paul would say. You see, our worth, it, it doesn't lie in all of these identities that we have ramped up to 11 today. Our personal worth lies in the identity that God has given us, Paul says. It's a bigger identity. So often, and I see this in our culture, right at this moment, we get lost in the, the trees of our identity. We get hung up on all these particularities and we miss the forest, don't we? We miss all the forest. We miss the big sweeping claim that God makes about us. We miss it. We concentrate on the trees. And Paul declares boldly the truth of who we really are. Paul says, you're not a Jew and a Gentile. You're not a slave or a free person. You're no longer a male or a female. You are no longer your gender identity. You are no longer the color of your skin or your national origin. You are no longer your sexual orientation. Paul says the most important identity, the thing that we do get our worth from, that one that gives us our value and our worth in our world is two words, Paul says. He says it's, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. And he goes on and he expounds. If you take a look at the passage and he says, no, you're not just in Christ. You are children of God. You belong to Christ. You are Abraham's family now. You are heirs to the promise now. Church, that is who you are. You're not those other things. Now, he's not saying that race and gender and sex, sexual orientation aren't, aren't like a reality for us anymore, right? Like you can't just drop all your identities and then pretend like they don't exist anymore. But it's that the construct of personal identity fades in comparison to the real truth of what God says about us. There's a greater identity that holds greater weight in our lives. It's what the scriptures attest to. You are in Christ, church. And that's good news, isn't it? It's good news. And just to turn the scripts just, just a little bit, those other people with those other identities, well, God has them too. They have the same worth you do. We should treat them like that. So what do we do with our identities around race and gender and sexual orientation? Like, what, what, okay, what do we do with that, if, if, with everything Paul has said? 
I, I love how Jesus talks about this. Um, if you have your Bible, take a look in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, uh, 39. Jesus has this famous line he speaks. You've probably heard this before. And, and listen to what Jesus says. You've heard this. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Now, many of us, when we read this, we think of, you know, someone that's persecuted and like literally dies or something like that. And that could be part of what Jesus is saying, but I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that. Jesus is saying, whoever finds their life, their fulfillment, their value, their worth in their race, in their sexuality, in their gender, in all the other identities we carry as well, you will lose your life if that's where you find it. And whoever loses their life, loses all of those identities, oh, you'll find it. You'll find life. An ultimate identity. In Christ, Paul says. Now, I don't know where you're at, church. So many, statistically, there's a significant portion of people probably in the room and online today that are struggling with some kind of identity crisis. It's just the way it is these days. Uh, maybe you struggle with others holding a particular identity, right? Maybe you see that person that has that kind of identity and the way that they live their life and you can't help but treat them differently by it. Jesus says, it's time to stop it. Lose your identity. Put on Christ. Stop placing value in that stuff. Start placing value in what this book says about us. Amen? Find your value in me, Jesus says. We all get to be a part of TFRC because we're in Christ. That's why. That alone. That's enough. That's good news. Uh, in a moment, we're going to sing a, a special song. And the, the song talks about us being family of God's, uh, God's family. And it's, it's a pretty powerful song that can really help us think about uh, what is my identity? Like, what am I placing my worth in, about myself in? Am I off base? Do I need to give it to the Lord and stop with this stuff? Um, there's also, uh, Joey Rickards is going to be one that sings this song. She's going to share a little bit about her journey around identity. And I think it's powerful. And, and I hope it provides a space for each of us to consider these things. This is the topic these days in our culture. We need to get wise and use this book to talk about it. Let's pray. God, there are uh, so many folks in our world, in our congregation, uh, that are living through an identity crisis. They're not sure who they are. They're not sure where their value comes from. Perhaps in this room right now, there's somebody that's struggling with that. God, first and foremost, I would just ask you, send your spirit Fill that person with your spirit. Let them know that they're in Christ, that they're in the family of God.
that that's where their value comes from. God, as a church, uh, we have to recognize that many of us are guilty around this stuff, that we have said words, treated people in certain ways um, that devalue people. And God, give us eyes to see everyone in our lives through your eyes as worthy, as valuable, even if we disagree, God. Help us with that. God, during these next couple minutes as we listen to this song, we just ask your spirit be with us. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace, church. Amen.